Asian Avengers. So weak. Avengers. So weak. Asian, Asian Avengers. So weak. So so fuckable, bro. You know. Whoa. Whoa. There's five Asian guys together. Wow. Did you ever um go through a stealing phase? Do I think everyone should have a gun? Maybe. But you can look me up. I don't care. I'll fight you. I don't care. You want to get high as fuck? You like opium? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Asian Not Asian Podcast, the podcast where two Asian guys not from Asia talk about American issues no American cares about. I'm your host, Fumi Abe. I'm Mike Nguyen. And welcome. This is our 56th episode. If you are listening on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, on your phone right now, please take a screenshot and post that shit on the Instagram and tag us at Asian Not Asian Pod, and we'll retweet it if it's a nice thing. Yeah, if you yes. say a mean thing, we'll probably also retweet or yeah, re- yeah, yeah. regram it or whatever. Probably gonna cry. Um, <laughs> and also leave us a review on iTunes if you're listening to that right now. Please do that; that'd be great. Yep. And also, quick shout out to our network, Listening Party, and uh, Canal Street Radio. So check out those guys at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market on Instagram. Um, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good, man. I've been uh, we, we've been we've been busy. We've been busy. Yeah, we were you know a lot of a lot of stuff out out late doing stuff. Yeah, you've been you've been doing a lot more shows. That's I know, good. I'm, I'm so happy to, for you. I'm trying to impress you. And now that I've been doing it, I'm like, why was I? Why am I trying to impress Fumi? I'm, so, <laughs> I'm like away from my wife all the time now. I'm like, this is all Fumi's fault. <laughs> yeah, your wife hates me secretly. And it's, I'm, I'm okay <laughs> with Openly. it. Openly. Yeah, it's not I know. a secret. I no. had a, um, that's right. She sends me hate me all the time. <laughs> I had a weird show th- experience this week yeah. that I wanted to share with you because I know you've had a bunch of them because uh, you're a weird comedian. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is... This is, I think, it's my fault. But I, the whole th- experience was just very surreal because we never think yes. about it as like POC comedians. So like, I was working on a bit. I was just working on it at the fucking pair, at the grizzly pair, the right? Grizzly pair for no people st- don't know. It's, right. It's, it's like on the same street as the cellar, the most famous club in the world. Yeah. But it is like a world away from the cellar. <laughs> because this is like a piece of. Uh, crap. I mean, the I mean show's it's gotten are, better. It's gotten better, but they just basically like if you can't get into the cellar and you want to pay like three bucks for a comedy show, you come here. You so can the, come in there. The crowd is drunk. Weird. They're yeah. all tourists. Sometimes they don't even speak English. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's the wild mess. wild west. It's, it's a not, mess. It's not the best environment for comedy all the time sometimes it's good but i was working on this bit about um white girls um you know i'm, I'm dating one white white girls, girls yes <laughs> and i just i was trying to i just had a personal experience where my girlfriend she was very greasy and uh i was just trying to i was just trying to talk about white girls being greasy and before i did this joke i just took a survey i was like am i allowed to i know this is gonna sound offensive but um i just wanted to you know quick quick survey to anybody who's ever dated white girls like is this a thing that i can talk about and some people are like yeah it is a thing and this one guy was like he got real mad he's like no like that's racist that's not a thing um, white girls are amazing. <laughs> was like, he was he like an American guy? I think it was an American, well, yeah, American okay. white guy with like that classic like alt right haircut. Locks, got it. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, thought, I thought maybe. No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. He, he looked like Richard Spencer kind of type. Oh, here we yeah. go. But I thought he was just trying to be funny, so I just started doing it. White girls yeah. are amazing. And I just th- <laughs> <laughs> he said white girls are amazing. <laughs> oh my god! I was so scared at the time. I didn't even realize how funny that statement was. So I I, I did the bit or whatever, and it like got some laughs, and you know I'm still like working on it. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah, perfect. It's fine. You know. Um, but so, but when I got off and the host went on, he started complaining again. To the next comic? To the host. To the host. He was like, what is this, man? He's like, you're just going to talk shit about white girls this whole time? Aww. And the host was like, you know, trying to calm it down. And I felt, I felt really bad, you know? Because, um, you know, like, I, have, I, I think we all have jokes about, like, kind of teasing at, like, white culture here and there. Yeah. Um, and, then, like, most of the time it's justified just because, like, we're coming from an educational standpoint. You know, it's yeah. like, hey, this is, like, something she that happened to me. And yeah. I want to, uh, you know, make light of it. Yeah. Make fun of it. Yeah. To kind of get over it. Um, 
but you know some but sometimes people get offended mm-hmm. and I, I i actually pride myself on being a non-offensive comedian like i'm not i've rarely very, had people yeah. say my material is offensive but you know this wasn't really worked out so like it's very possible it hurt some feelings well i think i mean fucking white people are sensitive about race dude mm, they're the most mm-hmm. sensitive about race you think, I think. so absolutely mm. like that in, in, in the way that um they don't they almost don't they don't want to talk about it sometimes at right, all like right, anything right. you bring up about it right, is right, going right, to be right. like so for my story I did a terrible show mm. and to be fair I was doing terribly and I did my one of my best jokes which is about how black teenagers like how I dress yes and yes 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 so and as soon as you bring up sometimes as soon as you bring up black just the word the word at all yeah. people are going to get like oh, what are you saying mm. you know what I'm saying and this was this was, lady was like upset about it she was black people are never offended about race jokes ever they're because like well, they, they, <laughs> not, hold on here well hold on it here. depends on the content hold on here hold on here, hold on here. Yeah. no they they don't get offended about talking about it oh right 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 they right, don't get right. To, right. offended about like can you bring up race As a matter of fact they're probably like oh my god finally someone's talking about it yeah yeah yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I'm saying? i don't know why i said in that voice <laughs> but, like, you know, we're gonna edit that out but you know, sometimes people just like get real stiff about like yeah, that sort yeah, of thing, yeah. and they get you know like oh you know. So I, I think um, you know I think that I think definitely uh, you know that's the game, baby. You I know. know. Well, you know, you know me Step on this podcast. Ledge. I'm always trying to protect white people on this podcast. We, so, you know. we do protect white people a lot. Yeah, on this podcast. Yeah, we do. Why? Well, you know, we just want to. We want more listeners. You know, uh, I think. <laughs> well, you know, like I mean. <laughs> You know what what happens to like like uh, like I'm sorry that I kind of scrunched up your butthole for a second yeah you know because I said something kind of you know you found to be a little off color but maybe you stop shooting us how about that mm, that'd be sweet yeah you know yeah, 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 got yeah. Real. I'm sorry that got really real but at the same time like for reals so like you know like this is a podcast you could always take your headphones off right you know yeah like, yeah yeah in, in live comedy they can't I mean I guess they could leave but I don't know I talk you pretty know fast, it's so. just like this is this is you know what do, what do you want to talk about huh you want to talk about airline food but that's but like I, I would say a lot of people who you describe like sensitive people who are sensitive to race jokes they want to talk about airline food they want to talk about stop signs they want to talk about <laughs> they want to talk about why the table only has four legs they want to talk about that but like our audience the Asian not Asian podcast audience when they come to Hack City out here they don't want to hear that shit yeah they want to hear your like your sufferings your you know? suffering yeah that's why like when we book like straight white dudes on our show they don't always do that well not because they're not funny no but our audience, don't hear about the our audience wants to hear like your personal life story like when did you yeah. struggle what was, what was funny about that looking back you know 10 years uh, you know what I mean so anyways um, I'm probably gonna stop doing that joke about white girls being greasy because uh, <laughs> very offensive but um, also you I'm know. very greasy so yeah you you're also what? greasy too I'm super greasy everybody's greasy are you not greasy no you know what I'm it very is clean. You're, you're, is, this, is this one of those like uh, civilized uh, Asian things versus jungle Asian things. I think so. Where I'm real well, greasy. Your, your earwax is different than mine too. You yes, know? my earwax is different than his. And <laughs> <laughs> we did a study. Yes. Well, enough about earwax. Let's. Uh, oh, you know what? Let's be, before we start the show, we have to do our uh, little oh, Patreon, Patreon game. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, listeners, we always give a shout out to our newest Patreon subscribers. So, if you're not a member, please check us out at Patreon.com/slash/AsianNotAsianPod, and you have you can have access to bonus content. Co- content. So, uh, here are the newest subscribers for this week. We got Katie Wong, Chinese, Chinese, Zhang Nguyen. Woo, this is, oh no, no, this guy's mad. This guy's mad Vietnamese. Oh, My Vietnamese, cousin's yeah. name is Zhang. Zhang? That's, Zhang. That's, a, that's like a cool like rap name. I like that. Yeah, or or, or like a Chinese wing store. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
Um, mm, delicious Zang. James wings. James Yoshizawa, finally a Japanese person. Thank Man, God. Man, that's like super Japanese. That's yeah. like a fake Japanese name. No, it's very real. Ah, yes, and he's coming for you. Um, <laughs> I knew it. We got Maria. That's my girlfriend. I made her do it. Uh, <laughs> I love it. You know, whatever. Mikay Wu W U, Chinese. Mikay Wu, yeah, Chinese. Yeah, Wu. yeah. Andy Chan, Chan, Chinese. Chinese. Kevin Louie. Oh, that's, this, a, that's a middle name. And this guy, this guy sent us a, a very nice message. Yeah. Uh, uh, did you read it? Yeah, about how we shed on Pac Pac. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Fair point. Uh, and then he was like, "You'll never guess what kind of race I am." I think he's Chinese. You know why? My why? friend is named Louis. Also, Ooh. it's a weird, it's a weird thing where sometimes L U I is yeah. is spelled L O U I E, like oh. Louis. You know, like Louis Anderson. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. a real clever Chinese trick. <laughs> <laughs> to try to assimilate. Mm, I like it. Mm, okay. Uh, and then finally, we have Mei Li NGO. Mei Li. See, this kind of tripped me up because Mei Li, that sounds Chinese, but yeah. Ngo is a Vietnamese name. Well, perhaps a Vietnamese Chinese person. Oh. Yeah, they got those because Get of history. Out. Yeah. Um, so, listeners, again, please check us out at patreon.com slash Asian Not Asian pod. And uh, you get a shout out if you donate to our show. Um, all right. Enough with this bullshit. Let's get, let's get into the show. Let's do it. Uh, our guest today, we are so, so excited to have her. Um, I can't believe we hit her up on DMs. I can't believe she responded. I can't believe. I honestly I can't believe not, that she's here. I, I didn't she's think you were actually going to come. For like t- we seriously thought that you weren't going to come. <laughs> <laughs> we, were like here, we, were like, we had on like we were like it was like a first date and we were just like ready with our, with our flowers and we're like you know we had combed our hair and shit. And then the waiter's like, "Sir, would you like another glass of wine?" And like, she's coming, okay? She's coming. So, uh, I, I just want to go over who she is. So, she's the founder yes. and executive director of the nonprofit organization Period, which is a youth-run organization that focuses on menstrual hygiene, which she founded at the age of 16 and is now the largest youth-run NGO in women's health and one of the largest fastest growing ones in the US. Um, she's the author of the book Period Power, a manifesto for the menstrual movement. She was on a Team Vogue 21 under 21. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest one to get, I think. <laughs> I'm trying to go for that 30 under 30, almost almost 30. So if you know any writers, please DM um, me. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, be successful before I die. Yeah. That one. <laughs> Still a live list. <laughs> She was. Uh, she had a TED talk. That's pretty dope. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, she was just at South by Southwest, which is uh, something that we're trying oh, yeah, to do. Yeah, that's right. Soon. That's pretty dope. So uh, hey, man, let's give a warm welcome to the uh, very accomplished Nadia Okamoto. Yay! Yay! Thanks for being on the show. Of course, Thank of you course. for coming. I know you had some train troubles, but I really yeah. appreciate you. You making Not it? Yes. Well, yeah. it's so nice to be back in Chinatown. I haven't been here for a little while, but I grew up near here, so I feel this sort of like homey sense. Really? Where? Yeah, so I go? grew up on Canal Street, I think. What? Or, or right on Canal and Broadway. It was at 365 Broadway, I think. What year oh, was wow. this? Like This was a long time ago, like age maybe like seven to nine. Yeah, so, so a long time 2000, ago. 2004 like or five-ish. I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah, until, uh, until 2007 about. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. so it was actually, it was interesting because I went to PS234, which is right downtown as well. Um, and so this is sort of where I grew up. Yeah. Wow, that's Dude, crazy. That's, do you have any like fond memories? Where did you play? Can you play around here? Um, you know, not really. Like I remember even at the playground we had, we weren't allowed to really have a playground at school because of the 
like potential injuries. So oh. our field slash where we had recess was just a huge field of concrete. Like yeah. just concrete. Just concrete. Yeah, and they would they used to give out hula hoops and then I remember when I was in second grade they took out away the hula hoops because people were like getting hurt with them. So we literally <laughs> would just be in concrete like just, playing cat. So just like a whole thing of concrete, like the little groups like doing you know, duck, duck, goose. So it's, it's like you're like yeah. in jail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was super interesting because then we moved to Portland, Oregon yeah, where it was completely opposite. different. Like lots of green, lots of trees. Mm. And I remember like when I first moved out and they were like, okay, go have recess. Yeah. There was a playground and I did not know what to do with myself because I had never played with one in school you, ever. You were just so used to like going to the yard and doing a bench press. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I would actually, I was a really bad kid when I lived in New York because I think you know, you my parents yeah. were fighting and I yeah. lived in um, Chinatown kind of before it became what it is now. Yeah. And, um, you know, I remember... Was this a bad neighborhood? You know, it wasn't a bad neighborhood, but I, the kids who still lived here were very misbehaved. I would, mm. I would say that. Because it was still I mean, turning, yeah. it was turning into what Soho is now. But I yeah. remember I would get suspended regularly Whoa. in school. Yeah. And I was such I was such a different kid. Like, I literally... The, we had a little... Like, what we called a gang in, uh, in PS234. <laughs> and we would get into fistfights. I don't have real front teeth because I got them knocked out. Really? Let me see. Let me see. I was a fucking bad kid. But, <laughs> and, it was totally, and I was like the kid where like my, my friends who were girls would be like, oh, my mom says, you know, you probably have a hard life at home because of how you act. Like I was not a good kid and I would get sent to the principal's office on a daily basis for, for fighting. Yeah, for well, fighting, for, for insulting. Yeah, yeah, and I, I would only wear like, I wanted I just wanted to wear Air Jordans, big basketball shorts and like oversized shirts. Like I was such yeah, a different kid tight. in New York. Dude, you know? that's the thing still about, quite oversized. That's <laughs> the thing about New York kids is they they have such a different experience than like going to school in the suburbs. Like you probably didn't have tether ball. You didn't play wall ball, you know? No, no. You're out there beating up bitches and that's crazy. Yeah, you, know you grew funny? up really fast. Yeah. yeah. What's funny is that, uh, that they were like, these kids are so bad, but uh, let's not give them hula hoops. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, this is going to be too crazy for them. Let's just make sure they just beat the shit out of each other still. Oh my God. So uh, are, are and you- And I went to like a not, uh, I went to like a rather wealthy school. Right, not like right? a super Like I was in PS234, which is like right next, next to Washington Market. So considering the demographic, it, it was really interesting because my I remember my school bus was me and like the other Asian kids yeah. who lived in Chinatown, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like and then and then a mix of like kids who lived on Wall Street. Like yeah. it was a super oh, interesting so like in between. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So That's crazy. uh are are you Chinese? So I'm okay, so I'm half Japanese for sure. Okay. Yeah. And then this is actually something I'm still figuring out because uh-huh. I know my family is chi- half Chinese. Like my mom said it's Chinese, but they're from Taiwan. Yeah. So I don't it. know. I actually still struggle. Like, do I say Taiwanese or Chinese? Because I think mm. they say Chinese because I know everyone ch- uh, yeah. Taiwan's ethnically, but I actually have no idea. Yeah. It's also I'm, very, I'm very disconnected from my sure. Asian background. Very, very interesting. Do you speak Japanese? No. Wow, really? No. Yes. Yes. Your, your parents, are they like second, third generation Asian Americans? So my mom even... was born here. My dad was born in Fukuoka in Japan. Oh, yeah. shit. Oh, wow. yeah. Damn. Man, I was hoping I could do some Japanese with you. But, no, uh, I wish. Damn. Well, instead, we're just going to beat the shit out of you for me. <laughs> 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 Take this hula <laughs> No, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, and I don't really have contact with my grandparents anymore. Gotcha. So my family, my family really has become just me, my mom, and my sisters. That's so interesting. So I, I like cannot name a single Chinese holiday beyond or Asian holiday beyond like Chinese New Year. Like I very don't right, know. Right. You don't get yeah. like otoshidama and stuff like that. You don't no, talk about little no. like New Year's money. Oh no! I mean, I know what it is from like TV. 
Oh my god! Yeah, like I'm very. Yo, you like straight up uh, fresh prince yourself, dog. It's like you like grew up in the rough neighborhood, and they're like, we gotta get out of here. And we went to Portland. And I you did. Went to Portland, and Portland, Portland is the whitest major city in the U.S. Oh, right? Yeah, totally. So it was wow. it was a definitely definitely a big culture shock in terms of like growing up in Chinatown for a little bit, and then going to Portland. Were you still beating up kids? Yeah, were you still running? No. Did you run the school? No, so I ran the school when I was in New York. Like I definitely, like I was the kid who like all the teachers knew about, but like not in a good way. But the interesting thing is I was always really good in school, no matter what. Like Mm. I was always really good in school. Um, But then, and that's why like I would, there's so many reasons I should have gotten expelled. Like I remember I brought a box cutter to school once and I was showing it to all my guy friends and they were like, you should be expelled. And my teachers were rallied and kept me in school because I was a really good student, student. right? (laughs) But as soon as I moved to Portland, I was complete opposite. I grew my hair out because I had like a fucking short bowl cut. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I grew my hair out. I started wearing dresses. I like would, you know, never broke the rules. I was always very teacher's pet as soon as we moved to Portland. Why did you you make that change? I mean, it definitely wasn't conscious, but I I think a lot of it was the change in my family home life. Mm -hmm, Like I mm -hmm. think when we lived in New York, it was very tumultuous and chaotic Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, my dad was very abusive and Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. as soon as we moved out to Portland, just it also wasn't like that's not how you gain respect in Portland you know in in Portland you gain respect for being you know more growing, progressive yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. like keeping your poop in your own yard <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but like loving nature like suddenly I would tell everyone like I love camping even though I really did it like it was ah. like you, you, you like even in high school right. I remember the cool kids were the ones who wore you know Tiva sandals and like went <laughs> yeah. rock climbing yeah. and in New York you gain respect by Wearing, hitting each other having box cutters <laughs> so it was just a different culture yeah so I, I think that, that was just the change, yeah. Dude, that's insane. Do your do those teachers know who you are now and how yeah. you start a nonprofit and stuff like that? Because yeah, like if my, you're hitting people, they're, they probably never thought, oh, this person's going to help the world. Yeah, and I think like my mom is really good friends with my kindergarten teacher and I know that they joke about how like when I was younger, these just horror stories of I would walk down the hall and the kids would be on the line and they would slowly fall behind me crying because I said something mean, like you're fat, like your mom died. Like just uh, this really like, shit. Yeah, yeah. And they tell these stories and they're like, now they see that I'm doing like social justice work and all this stuff and um, I actually when I after I gave my TED talk I like weird things about like success in my own life like whenever I get a success I feel really sad and like apologetic you know I think it's an imposter syndrome or like not really knowing why it's happening but I remember I gave my first TED talk and then like did not really celebrate but the next day I actually went through the list of people that I really bullied in early elementary school and I sent the messages and I said like sorry and, and they all had sort of the same reaction they were like you know it's okay I know you had a lot going on at home yeah. you know? oh yes. my God. that's so crazy yeah. so, so you moved to Portland and I, yeah. I watched a bunch of your YouTube videos this is like a very key uh, moment in your life and almost yeah. like you know the re- one of the reasons why you started this organization which we'll kind of yeah. get into later but t- tell us like what was that like when you kind of moved over there and I, you were a little bit financially unstable yeah. right and you know you, you, you were commuting to a school that was like very yeah. far away well that wasn't right away after I moved there so I moved when I was about mm-hmm. nine right okay. but it, it was rough like we moved out my mom we were pretty well off when I was in New York my yeah. mom was in corporate law I was born her first year at Columbia Law School well, Okay. and my dad was an artist and by the time we had left he had started he and my mom had started a really successful ice sculpting business which Whoa. is actually still really successful today hmm. it's called Okamoto Studio um, so my we were pretty well off and then my mom ended up giving up a lot and to kind of escape to better, more peaceful life. Sure. We moved out to Portland, Oregon and we moved out with no home. My mom had like not really secured her job yet and we moved in like to the basement of the one person we knew in Portland. Why, right? why Portland? 
specifically? You know, so my mom, I think her, the way she tells it is really that she she was really struggling here in New York and trying to save my sisters and I and protect us. And the, this one friend we had who like had taught my sisters in Sunday school um, was sending her beautiful pictures of the Portland cherry blossoms. And I think it just represented Ooh. like more nature. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like gay the opposite, couple, more basically. Yeah, sort of like I think Portland felt like literally the other side of the country, but in a totally different Absolutely. atmosphere. Mm. So we moved out there and I remember being so fucking mad. I was so mad at my parents in every way. I actually didn't know, know my dad was abusive until I was about 17 years old, actually. So mm -hmm. we saw that relationship, but we moved out when I was nine and sort of got back on our feet slowly. And then when I was 15, my mom ended up parting ways with her job. And that's when we entered what I call our time of transition, which was several months of living without a home of our own. And that's when we actually were sort of couch surfing with the, that same couple that we had moved in with. Mm. Um, and it was during that time that I had this like two hour public transportation commute to school and ended up talking to a lot of these homeless women. So then for you, I mean, I feel like with kids, kids kind of like normalize things really fast. Yeah. So did you think, oh, well, I guess I, I'm, I got to sleep on this couch and I got to like take the bus. Or did you think this is really crazy and like this is like, you know, is this how my life's going to be? Were you worried about that? Or were you just yeah, kind of like, for sure. just I mean, by then I had, I knew what it, meant to like not be able to afford your place anymore yeah. and like but and we like to basically afford basic necessities we were renting out our apartment to you know be able to afford food and stuff right, right. um i think it was also the sort of thing where with my mom you could see how much she was working so hard yeah. and like really i think hating that she had to put us in that situation that to us it was like don't talk about it like don't don't talk don't like recognize that we have to work hard and that we're saving but don't complain Got about it. where mm. we are and of course that was hard to do and my family's very open so we the complaining happened every once in a while but it was something that we, we didn't really it wasn't something where you complained about it a lot did you get like the kids pick on you at school for that no, it, no. so I went to a very exclusive private school mm -hmm. um, called Cat and Gable like very over $30,000 a year and oh I was God. a scholarship Whoa. kid yeah um, oh so you went for free yeah basically oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I was a scholarship <clears throat> kid there um, but you know it was the thing where none of my friends knew Got you know, like I, you learn to like make up the lies about <gasps> why they can't come over to your house, why you can't have sleepovers at your house. Oh, like, so sad. Yeah, so it was more like it was you just hit it. Yeah. Um, but I think it was really confusing because like I know, you know, my family had one car. We had all these public transportation. My, some of my friends had drivers and planes and multiple homes. And wow. like So it was definitely like uh, a a time when I was really thinking about privilege as a spectrum because I would be at school and feel so disadvantaged. Like yeah. we, I would not get lunch and my school had no free and reduced lunch program until my sisters and I spoke up. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I would be on my way to school and like, talk to all these homeless people where my bus stop was, where there's like 10 homeless shelters in a two block radius. And I would hear their stories of not having anything. Right. right so right, then right, to, right, the, right. to them, I felt really privileged. Right. Mm. So I think it was, that's when I started getting more passionate about like service and stuff because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of the disparities with those two conflicting worlds. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Fresh Prince analogy only continues because you went to a private school. <laughs> so, uh, that's crazy, man. So you start this, uh, you, you didn't start, how did that come about? Like, for me, Minfumi, we're trying to start... Like, the paperwork alone scares me with starting a business. So, how did you come about, like, 
developing this idea and then like making it happen because I really think yeah. like that's like that's a crazy thing to just have an idea but then to actually make something happen yeah especially at age 16 right yeah so I mean I mean I got really passionate about period poverty really fast like I it was basically hearing their stories of using toilet paper cardboard to take care of their periods and mm-hmm. then through Google searches learned about you know periods being the number one reason why girls miss school in developing countries wow. and learning about the tampon tax in the US so mm-hmm. in 2014 hold on here okay yeah no go, yeah. continue no so I was just saying <laughs> like kind of on the global scale learning that it's this number one reason why girls miss school in developing countries a girl's first period is the single event that leads to them drop, uh, dropping out of school, getting married early, undergoing female genital mutilation, yep. and then in the U.S., learning about it being a leading cause of absenteeism for girls here, hearing these stories of homeless women using trash to take care of their periods, and then learning about the tampon tax, which in 40 states existed so that there's the sales tax on period products, considering them non-essential goods, so mm-hmm. like luxury mm-hmm. items, but products like Rogaine and Viagra were considered necessities, so didn't have that sales tax. Do you know why? Like, Do you know the history of why that is? Like, How is this possible it's just that because men ha- were making the laws. Like to them, like, yeah, we still talk to people who who believe that they're necessity, <laughs> who, who believe they're luxuries, right? Like it, it's just a fundamental misunderstanding of what a menstruation is. Right. My girlfriend yeah. had a weird thing recently. So she's very passionate about that topic mm-hmm. and she bought tampons at a CVS or something and they taxed her. So she mm-hmm. said, oh, actually this isn't supposed to be taxed. I think in New York it's not taxed not anymore. anymore. Not anymore, yeah, right? Anyway. So there was a lo- recent law that was passed, yeah. right, right? So she corrected him. And then the guy was like, oh, my, my manager's not here, so I can't do anything about yeah. it. Like, he didn't, you know, they, just that mentality. Right, so he doesn't care. Yeah. He does, there's no empathy. He doesn't care. He doesn't understand what that tax represents. And so she was really upset and just got it somewhere else. But I think, you know, to your point, like, why does it, why is this still a thing? It's because a lot of dudes don't care or know. Or there's, there's no like there's no like communication there. You yeah. know or they I mean? don't even know what the products are. Yeah. Like, yeah, I yeah. think that's a big thing that, like, even in our conversations with powerful legislators is explaining to them what a tampon is before we can talk about the tampon Yo, tax. bros don't even know what tampons are? Yeah. Damn. What do you mean yeah. they don't know what it is? No, like, they, they've never do seen Do they know it? where babies no. come from? <laughs> you're, yeah, talking about, like, you're talking about like 15-year-old boys or you're talking about like No, men? I'm talking about older men because think about it. Like sometimes sex ed talks about periods, right? Yeah. But usually, for the most part, sex ed is taught in gender segregated classrooms. Right, right, so right. the boys never have to learn about it unless they have like sisters and stuff. But yeah. there's if no one's talking about periods and they're space they won't learn about it in school that's very true i had a sister that's why yeah, i knew about it yeah. yeah but like for like even my co-founder when my co-founder and i started working together i was 16 and i sort of identified him as someone who was very business oriented and organ or like organized and yeah, yeah. that's how we connected yeah. i saw the video with his tie on and <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh when we first went on our trip to go get period products from the store i had to unwrap one and explain how it worked oh, you know so mm. but he had no sisters his mom didn't talk to right. him about it and when it's in gender segregated classrooms periods aren't talked about in the boys classroom right so so he had no reason to know what it was yep, yep. so that, so that's kind of i think like that's why i'm like of course there's a tampon tax because yeah. there's just no discussion around it. What was your sexual education experience like at your schools? Because like Midwest, yeah. super conservative, I'm sure it was very different from your it, high school you and know, your high school too. It's funny, when I was in grade school, yeah. we got, the we like, they the, walked the talk, everybody right? into the thing and actually it was really good. In, I mean, I don't know. I Where did you like, grow up? I grew up in Southern California. Okay. So, so it was really good in like fifth grade. Both genders. It was, it was, it was combined. combined. And they did they did divide it eventually, but they did teach the, they did show all the boys a tampon and they put it in water oh, to show wow. it got really big. Whoa. And everyone was like, whoa, this is crazy. I love that. So that was, I mean, it was really cool. And uh, I mean, just 
to this day, I don't know how everyone wasn't laughing when we were talking about penises. I mean, I'm sorry, that's a funny word. Right, so, right, like, right. I mean, just, especially to a boy. Yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody was very serious about it, and it was cool. But then in high school, something happened, because then we had another talk in health, and we were like, you know, fucking 10th graders, right? Yeah. yeah. And they, 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 gave the, they gave us the really hard wait until you're married thing. Oh, yeah, 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 I mean, even as a 10th grader, I was like, this is incredible bullshit, right? Right. And for some reason, fifth grade, fortunately, we got like a a much better, very (laughs) honest talk. (laughs) And it was was the school nurse. The school nurse was like, yeah, this is white sexism and all that stuff. So that was cool. But then... Later on, some like weird Christians somehow infiltrated my public yeah. high school. So that was more my experience. Is yeah. like we in fifth grade we had the talk, but we were segregated, like you said. The boys got like the our little um, goodie bag, which had like a deodorant, which like goodie Asian bag. dudes don't even use deodorant. I don't, I don't <laughs> know if you guys knew that. I used. I've tons never of used it. Yes, so but I'm real I was like, I don't need this. Throw it in the trash. But it, it, you know, they like talked to us about like wet dreams and stuff like that. But they they always beat around the bush and like I remember we were allowed to write down a question anonymously and ask the nurse about stuff. Yeah. And so I wrote down what is a wet dream because I didn't understand understand what it was because she they wouldn't use the word sex like they didn't want to because it's still like a very conservative i grew up in ohio just yeah. FYI, and she never answered my question and i didn't really understand anything until like middle school middle school health class when they like got more into that shit but they're more they're more open about i think educators are more open about sex than they are about periods Absolutely. even right like i think yeah, that i yeah, remember yeah, yeah, yeah. when and i mean i learned about periods from my mom at a very early age sure. and then got in trouble for telling everyone else what periods and sex were oh really <laughs> yeah, but see, but you school. getting in trouble like yeah, even, yeah. even that concept well, because, is messed and, up and you know and all public schools when you talk about sex ed or peri- like bodies you have to get permission slips mm-hmm. right from parents yes. to make sure that parents are okay talking about it so in oh, my school okay, in fifth okay, grade okay. we were separated but the girls I think it, it creates this culture of then you only talk about periods behind right, closed doors. Right, 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 you don't right, talk yeah. about it in co-ed spaces. So it's not an open conversation. And you you don't learn about like, what is the experience like? What is period poverty? And what's it like when you don't have these products? You just learn like, this is going to happen once a month. Here's a tampon. Here's a pad. Not even like menstrual cups and other reusables. But here's just like basic things like go get them. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's very like that. And then I remember in high school, you combine. You don't talk about periods. You don't really talk mm-hmm. about puberty. Mm-hmm. But you talk about condoms. Right? And yeah. you talk about like, yeah. We talk about contraception yeah. or abstinence, right? So, I think like it's it's interesting to see how much more stigmatized periods are in comparison to sex. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's just part of the education. So like, there's that's why we all think like yeah. that. Yeah, as yeah. I'm yeah. uncomfortable. How about you guys? No. <laughs> no it's, uh, so do you, is a, is a lot of your work even just getting people on page one? Yeah. You know, just to understand. So officially, like our our mission is like to end period poverty and period stigma through service, education, and advocacy. And that education piece is changing the way people think, talk, and learn about periods mm. through education. Right. Mm. And I. Really really feel like so in addressing period poverty our short-term solution is distributing a fuck ton of period products right so we've addressed over 500,000 how many crates is that how about 17 fuck tons but so we've addressed over 500,000 periods through product distribution and so whatever like 500,000 times 18 is that's how many products we've distributed Damn. and then um, the that's long-term solution is policy right so mm-hmm. we're passing legislation now at the local level to get period products free and accessible in schools and um, repealing the tampon tax talking about how food stamps should cover period products but the bridge to getting from service to, so- to systemic change is this cultural change to p- make people know that this is a basic necessity right? right so i think i feel the cultural change is the necessary component towards longer term change yeah uh, I, I watched some of your talks and you have this 
this like interesting you have a manifesto right about this yeah. whole thing and and the way that you it, it it leads into equality can you talk a little bit i don't know if you touched about yeah. it just now but like how does it lead into equality yeah so the way i think of this work is i don't think that talking about periods and addressing periods is the end goal right sure. like that's just a means to the end right. right the overall goal is gender equality and breaking the cycle of poverty to achieve global development right yep. and when you look at how gender equality is defined by the un the world health organization all of the measurable you mm -hmm. know ways you measure gender equality kind of for, falls into these four buckets of education healthcare, economic mobility and representation in politics and decision making and so I've already talked about how periods are a huge barrier for access and economic mobility and education. It's a matter of healthcare, um, and also periods throughout history have been uh, used as a reason for why women can't hold high positions of power or like even hold like the front lines of combat. Right? It was a joke of like why Hillary Clinton right. couldn't hold office. It's still a joke of like women being too hormonal and having more maternal instincts in their cycle and not being able to like run the military. Right, 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 right. And so, and like in many, in actually many Asian countries. Mm -hmm. There's even like menstrual leave policy where yeah. you can get sick days for your period, right? Mm. But it actually creates this barrier of... Uh of power for women because it's used as a reason for why they can't hold those higher leadership positions if they're going to be missing so much missing work for days. the period, right? Right, right? So I think that you can look at every way that gender equality is measured and see how periods are a, a strict barrier, right? And we can do, we can build as many schools as we want for girls, but if they're missing a school a quarter of the time and then when they hit 13, they drop out of school, yep. you have to adjust periods to, to get rid of that barrier for entry, right? So to me, that's why if we're talking about breaking the cycle of poverty, fighting for gender equality, you inherently have to talk about periods as a key to achieve success in all those areas. Man, you just dropped. Uh, it's, this, is, this is like the Matrix, but with periods. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm just like it's all connecting together. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, all the different. You're, you're connecting. Okay, then John, you know, John F. Kennedy led to this. You know, you all my this, conspiracy theories. All your conspiracy theories, and then all but the lizard people. Yeah. I think yeah. that's why period as an organization has been successful and grown really organically because we found ways to relate it to whatever someone cares about, and that's yes. really why I wrote this book I was like you can throw something at me of like oh well, I think this is a more important issue and I can try to relate it back to periods right Dang. whether it be yeah. whether it be like climate change and that's the one I get a lot like why aren't you focusing on climate change that's more pressing I'm like well that is some of the work that we do because the average tampon or pad that's disposable takes five to eight centuries to decompose and the average menstruator uses 17,000 of them, right? So like there's, well, there's sustainability work within this space. There's gender inclusivity work. You'll hear that I use the term menstruators because we acknowledge that trans right. men and non-binary people get their period. So this is such an intersectional movement because it's a biological phenomenon that inherently happens for every person who's assigned female at birth, right? For the most part. So uh, damn. it's so inclusive it's touches everyone's life yep. and it's the reason why reproduction is possible too mm, yeah. so that's why I it is so intersectional yeah. Yeah. is uh go ahead. I, I love that you you're so i can feel your passion when you're talking about this you're like you're like uh eminem at the end of the movie oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, you're, boom, you're boom, like a hype boom, man yeah boom, yeah yeah, exactly. boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. um Rab little rabbit uh, i, I want to talk a little bit about um you know you're you're very young you're 21 yes right? and you which got is so lit i just turned 21 congratulations oh, <laughs> Did you say it's lit? Should we do some shots? But you started business when you're 16, like in high school. Um, I want to talk a little bit about like, so you have this passion, you have this goal, right? But it's like, how do you start a company when you're in high school? You Google it. 
Yeah, I, I did read that, but it's also like, don't you have other responsibilities as a high schooler, like studying yeah. for the SATs or like no. going to shit? I mean, to be honest, I became, I was very obsessed with work and like doing more at a really young age because I think even elementary school, school was the way I got out of home, right? Like it was the way I got mm. away from all the chaos and abuse at home. So I would like, lo- I loved being in school. I yeah. loved being in after school. And when I was in high school, I did everything. I was in like four sports, did professional ballet, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. was in 16 clubs and leading most of them. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, boys varsity baseball team, I was always very involved in extracurriculars. Mm. And I think starting a nonprofit was sort of just to tack onto that. And, you know, it was really dangerous actually because I got really obsessed with the work. Yeah. Because part of the reason I be- think I became so interested in, in, in activism was because it came from a really painful place, right? Like at 16, I was starting this nonprofit, but also getting out of a really abusive relationship where like sexual assault and rape were a really regular part of my life. And I think to have that be a regular part of your life and feel so powerless in that and then have activism and yeah. extracurriculars where I felt very empowered, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think became very addicting. Yeah. But I think for me, to started it was like we googled questions what is a nonprofit? What is the IRS what is board of directors and I, go- I googled how to become a 501c3 nonprofit. we didn't even hire a lawyer me and my co-founder sat down filled out the whole form ourselves in like eight hours and got our parents to sign and then we became a nonprofit. and I started a business a little while ago we googled everything hired lawyers like yeah these are all things I need to Google I as know. well. I was literally yeah. before the podcast. We're like, let's. Uh, it, we, takes like, <laughs> it takes <laughs> ten minutes. We're like, should we open a? Should we do an LLC? How do we do that? You no, just take ten minutes. You just go online. You register with Secretary of State. Like it's so fast. It is yeah. so easy to start a business or start a nonprofit. And I think that those words are just labels. Those yeah. are literally just legal labels that mm. say what sort of bank account and how you'll be taxed. Yeah. Right. What's a bank account? Uh, <laughs> yeah. We just um, we recently spoke at like a scholarship event for yeah. you know for like Asian Pacific Islander students in the U. And um, I love that what you just said about the Google thing, where it's like you have this grandiose uh, goal. Oh yeah, and, and it, that word is very scary, right? Like, oh, nonprofit. Like, how do you register under the Secretary of State? Blah blah blah. But you just Googled it, and yeah. you're like, okay, I gotta do these five things. Okay, let's do these five things. You just break it down, and once you break things down, it's very easy to not easy, but it's that goal seems more attainable. Yeah, and I know? also think like with community organizing, you don't even need to be a nonprofit. Like, nonprofit just means just changes the way you're taxed, right? So in, yeah. unless you're bringing in lots of money, you can just start something, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that's something that I learned very early on was that getting in the nonprofit status was just a legal document that informed how we were going to be taxed, right? Got it. So I think I think that there's, it, it creates this uh, like understood barrier, but it really isn't, you know? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, Google has been like the reason, the way I started this organization, how I learned how to run for office, how to start a book. Like I remember when I wanted to write a book, I just Googled how to write a how book. To write a book. <laughs> like literally like templates for books book book yep. proposals like I found my literary agent online just by googling and making a spreadsheet of every cold email I could find yep. yeah uh, shouts to Google algorithm <laughs> so um, yo you uh, and Nadia yo <laughs> you on tinder dog <laughs> No, uh, no. Your, what's your like? What's your like? Yes, are you too busy? You're. No. I mean, no, you're not too busy. You, you're, you're a hustler. You're. You, so, but, you know what I'm saying? But like. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you're 21. Yeah. Like, do you get you're to in still New be York. 21? Yes. You know, you got your Jordans. You your Jordans? <laughs> like, do you dance and stuff? Like, what, you yes. having fun? Okay, I'm really into dancing. So, I mean, dance was something I did a lot for Not a Not like long professionally, time. but like out with your girls. Yes. Boom. You know what I'm saying? I yeah, don't go out that often, but I'm going to a rave tonight. 
Thank oh, you. You know I'm what? Held in. That's a, <laughs> just exciting. That's 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 the rave is the overachiever clubbing. Because right? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, yo, I need as much clubbing yes, as possible. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like so smart. Yeah. Um, do you find that hard? I mean, like, you know, personally, yeah. like, you know, do you? I mean, I used to go out to like all summer when my girlfriends were all living here. We would go to comedy clubs all the time. We went to the Lantern, like all the oh, free comedy. Are you serious? I'm obsessed with the Lantern. Are you serious? We perform at the Lantern all the time. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay, because they have five. You're better than that. <laughs> I love the Lantern because uh, I got really into like it's just such a. Please not, don't do comedy. Do you remember like, any comedians? Okay, so I'm really obsessed with Alexandra Hart. Do you know oh, her? Yeah, she like helps run it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I love She's her. She's great. And because she found out what I do and was honestly really open. And then also the lantern like doesn't card. For uh, every uh, <laughs> wow. like, wow. awesome. By the way, lantern's now shut down. Yeah, <laughs> 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 you you just destroyed their business no, with your followers. I fell in love with the lantern just because it was such an open. And I mean, most of the comedy is really bad, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes, that's what I wanted to hear. And also, really racist. It is racist. Yeah, sure. Um, Like me when I go up there, talking about greasy greasy white girls. girls. But I love, I love, I love the lantern. But I mean, I definitely go out. But I think it does get hard because I get, I got really bored with going out, especially in college. Because if you drink too much, you don't remember it, so it's useless. Mm -hmm. But also, I think as a workaholic, I would, I would count the time that I was missing as an opportunity cost for what I could be doing. Uh, right? so, you could always be filling out more Excel yeah, sheets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I think even when I'm going out, I'm like, I could be, I you could be, could be doing something yeah. more. And it's it's actually something I'm trying to work on because that, I even have that mentality with friends. I'm like, is this lunch yes. with a friend right. worth it? Yeah, yeah. Like, who, I, who do I need to hang like, out is with? Is this yeah. a real friend? It, is this the best use yeah. of my time? Yeah. And I think that especially when you, you're public profile gets bigger everyone wants to be your friend for like the wrong reasons sure, right? sure. so oh. I think it's even been learning like who do I want to give my time to in this social sense oh my and God. Drake wrote a song about that who are your real friends you <laughs> <Yeah>. know? <laughs> um, but I think about, going out you. is the same thing because I think like the going out is like does not have a long term effect for me like it's I yes. do have memories where I like look back a year ago and I'm like that was such a fun time and like yeah. that is worth it but, but I also remember a lot of times where like I went out and I don't really remember anything specific about the day and it, it was, was just like, like yeah. Yeah. you were just out you were so I'm 21, but I have not gone out yet. Right. So wait, wait. So you, so you just explained to us like how your brain works. So how does that apply to like modern day dating and stuff? Like how, how can you be thinking about that when you're trying so to- So I'm in a relationship now. Oh, you are? You have a boyfriend yeah. already. Okay. 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 But it's or hard. Whatever. It's but really it's hard. hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, when I was running for office, I didn't date at all. Like mm-hmm. I was kind of heartbroken from my high school ex. Yeah. And I didn't date at all for like a year and a half. Like no kissing, nothing. Mm-hmm. Like completely mm-hmm. celibate. And then after my campaign ended, I was like, okay, I'm going to get out there. So I, I did do Tinder and like start hooking up and I I loved being single like Mm. I think that for a woman in today it was and growing up in a really sex positive family Mm -hmm. being single was really fun Mm. right and I I think in part of like being a survivor of sexual assault you learn to like disassociate emotions from sex Mm -hmm. you know so for me I had a lot Mm. of fun and then in the last few months got into a relationship in August and now we're living together and I live with him and like four of his frat mates from college yeah so I live in a a grown up frat house basically like (laughs) they're all like they're all now more responsible but they live together in their frat house at Hopkins so that's sort of like I have that fun around me all the time but it's hard because I mean we get in fights all the time of like we haven't gone on a date in a few weeks because every time we have a date I cancel it because I want to do another phone call and I think that it is hard like until we started dating I had never watched a movie without multitasking my email yeah you gotta do something like, else yeah so I and so like watching movie even I'm like oh this is such a waste of time like yeah. I could be doing my email while watching this like I can be multitasking so it's and he feels that anxiety so it's definitely like 
it's hard yeah but i think that it's it's like good for me right now especially with traveling so much like having stability is really good for my like i like that. that's I like what that, i say i like that what you could you, you consider living with five frat bros the stability, stability. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh it's so, so glad stable. to be home and they're just doing kickstands <laughs> oh. <laughs> I need the stability in my life. <laughs> Holy shit! It is, it's more simple because it's it's like you familiar. It's familiar you know? Oh, I yeah. love it. No, I, I love, love it. it. I love, I love it. it. That's that's crazy. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, but I mean, but it is it is like he goes out a lot more than I do, and I think that. Um, like I definitely like am not part of that culture, their culture in a lot of ways. Sure, like yeah. I have been sort of on a few months of a tea break and not smoking as much and trying to like get on my shit because yeah. period I'm getting ready to launch like a big national awareness campaign. So mm-hmm. I've been trying to really stay on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, I think that it's definitely, it's a pain point. Yeah. 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 I want to wrap this up um, talking about Gen Z, man. Cause you're yes. Gen Z. You talk about it sometimes. I also know you, um, are like a, a chief brand officer for Juve Consulting, yes. right? Which is a, uh, a marketing firm that's run by purely Gen Zers. Yeah, I'm like the oldest person right. on the team. Right, yes. so, And so Mike and I were both uh, advertising professionals. We were, he's a, he's a copywriter. I, I do like data stuff. Um, and we've actually talked about Juve before. Yes, we, we, we have. We actually didn't know what it was called. Yeah. It was in the New York Times. Yes. I don't right, know if right, they right. have co- covered us. it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We just want to learn more awesome. about like Gen Z stuff, you know? I mean, all we know about you guys is that you guys love butt stuff. And <laughs> partying. That's we all, do know but, that. but that's all we know. And it's like, can you make a marketing company based on those foundations? Uh, I don't know. You're about to say, I, of course, of tell course us. You can. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm very passionate about Gen Z because I think that. I think first of all we're very big but we also think very differently from mm. any other generation yeah. and I know every generation says that but I really yeah. believe that about Gen Z but like we're 26% of the global population so we're the yeah. largest segment of a population in the history of the world Yeah, right we're 46% of the total media audience mm-hmm, so when mm-hmm. you think about where companies are marketing to where brands are marketing to where all this media is going we're for almost a majority of that audience right. right especially I think we are a majority on social media but also like we're a generation that looks at the world and feels more individual responsibility for our legacy and solving the issues around us than ever before right mm-hmm. like we, there's this sort of across the board frustration with the systems that govern us and what's around us and feeling like we have a way to solve it right like I sort of think of it I think the defining mentality difference between millennials and Gen Z is like millennials want a seat at the table Gen Z wants to flip the table right like not mm-hmm. only about being inclusive but saying this this table and system is not yes. working for us yes like so my drunk it. Dad. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think there's that, but also there's there's a sort of this connotation of more inclusivity. So one of our nicknames is the plurals, right? Because we think not in terms of I and advocating for individuals, but thinking about us as a whole, as a whole group, right? And thinking about what's best for us. And um, we are the generation that's rejecting labels and gender and race as social right, constructs. Right, right. And um, one of our other nicknames is the genderless generation because less than 50% of us identify as totally heterosexual or cisgender. Mm. Right. So there's Whoa. these more connotations of inclusivity. And then even in politics, inclusivity plays a part in that too because there's a study, I was actually at South by Southwest talking about Gen Z in politics. Um, and we were kind of celebrating the study that just came out that said over 54% of Gen Z favor a socialist society over a capitalist one, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And I believe that that that's not because we understand what socialism is, but because to us, socialism is social democracy, which is really, you know, being inclusive for people who are more disadvantaged, right? So I think that there's this push of more inclusivity and being more innovative and um, 
you know, social media becomes like an extension of ourselves, not just a tool we use, but kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. a part of us and how we express ourselves. And um, having a social media account and a Finsta and multiple social media accounts becomes a regular part yeah, of our yeah, lives. Yeah. And um, like our average attention span is eight seconds. And I think in those <laughs> ways, <laughs> Are you bra- yeah. I can't tell if you're bragging or, I think or being it's sad. Really amazing. <laughs> like, you know, jump from ideas. Yeah. So I think that it, I think that to me, Gen Z represents a lot of like what we have to do in terms of politics, in terms yeah. of how we brand ourselves and, um, and that's why like social impact is tr- a trendy thing for brands to do yeah, now. So, yeah. um, and uh, yeah, so Juve has grown a lot and we work at Authentic Frame from small companies all the way to Unilever brands, American Express, you know, BET, NBC. So we're working with some b- big clients who basically hire us to like better understand Gen Z. Yeah, I, I love that um, because I do, you know, you, you'll hear from millennials and people older than us are like, oh, these young kids are like so sensitive. Jared Seinfeld had that article where he no longer does college shows, college comedy yeah. shows because he thinks your generation is too sensitive but like sensitive is not the right word right you're just like more open to different options you don't like labels and so like i've i've never i do a lot of college shows but i've never struggled with that because identity is the one thing i've always kind of struggled with growing up you know so in a way i kind of like relate to them but But do you see that the state of comedy that's trending now is sort of the self-deprecating humor of talking about struggling with identity it's it's all point of view stuff it's like what's your story as a half haitian half japanese single mom or something mm, like that you yeah. know it's like tell me that's it's, it's all and about like talking like, about your own race yeah. absolutely yeah, like yeah, Hannah yeah. Gadsby's Nanette yep, yep, oh yep, my yep. god I love that so much so yeah. but I think that I think that was really eye opening and also calling out stand up comedy as a as something that does perpetuate self deprecating humor and all of that too um, but I think stand up comedy is really like actually period is a big fan of stand up comedy because and I write about this in my book I wrote a whole chapter about how like period humor is like one of the ways you break stigma yeah. and it's like how yeah. you get people yeah, to yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. uncomfortable things and so actually <laughs> our gala every year our theme is stand up for periods and last year we had Margaret Cho this year That's we're trying awesome. to get Ali Wong and Whoa. so yeah. um, we do we we like have we build our whole gala around stand up comedy That's amazing she's already booking comedy shows Booking <laughs> shows way more <laughs> yes. if you need someone to hate at your show no. invite us <laughs> invite us uh, yeah, I mean I think I'm, I remember um, after Parkland um, you know the, there was a there was a movement a lot of young people from that school doing things yeah. for uh, you know gun violence and that sort of thing and I, I mean I mean like I'm I'm so tired so I'm more than willing to let some young people with energy go and do some stuff and yeah. I'm I think it's awesome because I I've I've seen a lot of things where people say things are going to change and i think i've i've seen i I saw a millennial i guess i'm a millennial and uh, barely we're barely (laughs) but i mean here's the thing is that like everyone was going to say where everything's going to change yeah we got to wait in the 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 old hacky joke is that oh we got to wait for old people to die and then everything's going to be different yeah it's not that different yet. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, yeah. Also because you I know? think those millennials became old people and then I agree. The, but also the reaction of millennials to being mad at the system was not yeah. to participate. Right? This uh, this kind yeah. of connotation of Absolutely. fuck the system, it's not working, so I'm not going to vote. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yes, there what there yeah. is there is a lot of that. And you know, the you know, society has a tendency to replicate itself over and over yeah. again. So I'm I'm uh, you know, a new challenger has appeared. Generation <laughs> Z. So this is like super special. Yeah, and uh, I'm 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 super I'm super excited. I I mean, after seeing you know the 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 what what happened a- after Parkland and, and seeing people, 
you know, get galvanized and, and more people being aware of climate change or what have you, I'm like a little optimistic, which is like not at all how I've been feeling for the last yeah. like 10 years or yeah. so. I think because of the reasons you've been talking about. Yeah. So um, I'm super, super stoked. Yeah, yeah this I think that's one of the reasons why it's hard for me to go back to Harvard too. Cause yeah. like I'm on a leave of absence right now. And flex. Also I, ultimate flex. <laughs> flex. You, you, you flexed on the hot girl. <laughs> you flexed on Harvard. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Harvard, I don't time for you. I don't, I don't know what you're, no, I'm going to start the business. Like, there's so much happening in the world and that's how I felt like the why I needed to take time off because I was never in school because I'd be in class and be like why am I here like I love there's that. so much happening out in the world and like I'm not doing like and I know my mom's like okay it prepares you to do more but like for me I was just getting so frustrated with myself yeah mm, mm, so I would have been in the opposite I <laughs> gone to class and then taking a nap but so yeah, yeah. In, in conclusion what is your what's your like general advice to like to fellow Gen Zers you know listen, or, you're, or, you're, or or older people older people like, who are uh, like, just like what do I do you yeah. know I think across the board and I know I sound like a broken record here but it's just to like go for it I think that I know that sounds so simple that was a refrigerator like, like a refrigerator I magnet know. I had it's like <laughs> a little bit like, like a it. Nike ad like just do it yeah, but like for yeah, me I really fire. feel like I talk to some like even you guys right you want to start your company right Yeah. all the resources are there mm-hmm. you have all the resources yeah. you actually don't really need any money like you there's sometimes a registration fee but it's not that hard right, right? but you just have to do it right yep. and there's so many I think hesitations that we have especially for young people who are constantly asked by society what they want to be when they're older right like what do you want to be when you grow up what are you preparing for but not like what do you want to do right now and so there's all these like connotations of I don't have enough resources I don't have what it takes you know I don't like I'm not in the right place it's not the right time and I think so much of it is you just have to like put all that aside and be like I'm just gonna go for it anyways Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think that that mentality needs to happen I also think that young people recognizing the power and potential that they have and older people respecting that and making space for young people to rise is a big part of what we need right now Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. That's why we are getting out of the podcast game. This is now your podcast. Congratulations. <laughs> what makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. And we're back with everybody's favorite segment, Das Race News. Das Race News. Again, our guest today is uh, Nadia Okamoto from the Period Movement. Um, today, we're going to talk about uh, this college scandal that everybody's been talking about, freaking mm-hmm. out on Twitter. Been and, crazy. Uh, I'm sure all of you know what's happening, but just a quick synopsis of what's going on. There was a scheme that began in 2011 centered around a Newport Beach college placement firm run by Rick Singer. He's the bad dude. And uh, wealthy parents paid Singer to help their children cheat on college entrance exams and to falsify athletic records of students to enable them to secure admissions to elite schools, including UCLA, USC, Stanford, Yale, and Georgetown, according to court records. Um, and so there were some celebrities who, um, you know, who got caught 
one out for this. And, shout uh, out to Full House. Shout out to Full House. Aunt <laughs> Becky. Aunt, Aunt Becky. Becky. Do you even know Full House? Yeah. Do you? Oh, we watched it in, like when I was in kindergarten. God. <laughs> uh, I think was, I'm surprised you even watched it in kindergarten because it's yeah, pretty old. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But, but um, you yeah. know, I mean, people are very, very upset, um, you know, because the, I think the argument is that these children took the spots away from like these hardworking middle class people who may have gotten in through just merit. You right. Know? So that's the argument. But I think from the Asian community, this was kind of funny because I remember when I first saw this, I was like, Bro, you can't even get into USC yeah, like no. the traditional way. Yeah, you know what like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Some of them did like go, uh, like name like bigger schools, but then like it was like Wake Forest. Wake Forest. Yeah. I, was like, <laughs> I was like, was, was that like, worth six million dollars? You're bro? bribing your way into like the backup school. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fucked up, bro. I I also I don't know. I used to work in SAT prep, and I used to do all that sort of stuff. And yeah. like we were all on the up and up, and it was like totally you know. But I saw you know it's expensive. To, you saw like, some bribes? No, I didn't see bribes. I wish I I saw a lot of you know you like get in contact with this like upper crust of people who have like a lot of resources yeah. on you you yeah. know what i'm saying yeah like the fact that you could even even just sending a kid to our regular sat classes yeah. like it's like fifteen hundred dollars yeah yeah you know i mean that's like a good chunk of money for uh, you know for most families and on top of that if you had a tutor or you know there is some like college whatever whatever you know yeah. what i'm saying but then I feel like too if you have all those resources then you have like a whole other fleet of resources that could help your kid in other ways yeah I don't know for me and then this whole college admissions thing is like I don't know people are really shocked because we keep thinking it's like a big meritocracy and like once in a while somebody really worthy like Nadia gets into Harvard yeah. but like I would say most of the time it's like not it's it's a it's, business it's a result of like this whole culture that has like prime somebody to get into a certain school right, or whatever, right, right, right. you know what I'm saying I always used to think too I'm sorry you know, you were gonna say no, something no no I was just gonna say I think for anyone who for anyone who like is at Harvard or one of these schools like no one is surprised like this yeah. culture is there like you meet people whose like name is on the building right like that it's not that this is <laughs> a new bribery scandal it's just that it's the first time it's being called out as bribery did you when you were there I mean what did you I also, I'm also yes I believe that I deserved a place at Harvard but I'm a legacy kid my mom went as well oh. and I, I recently watched Hassan, Hassan Minaj's um, Patreon yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, and I loved it the um, affirmative action one yeah. about like Asian students doing Harvard yep. but it was interesting to hear him call out like the biggest issue of you know right. of people taking spots is legacy kids right. right and I think that from legacy kids and legacy like alumni donating so much money like that is a form of bribery bribery in many ways and I think that no one is surprised that this is happening when you were there uh, at Harvard what was your what was your take on like the you know that kind of that the the student body there i guess you could say you know what i'm saying like w w were people kind of like you know this is sort of how it is or is it like i deserve to be here or i mean everyone has imposter syndrome of like why am i here but yeah. i think that i think that you like harvard does feel like a big long shot for a lot of people yeah and you do meet a lot of students who have like perfect test scores perfect grades i did not have either mm, at all mm. you know and i think for me i had that mentality of like why am i here too right um because you could cut a bitch i have friends who like did not write their college admissions essay even from my high school wow. right whose Whoa. parents saw, who paid people to like write their college admissions essay or like help them as they people like I'm, i mean i think it's an unfair system that like i could barely pay to take the SAT twice right, right? and right. twice is a lot for yeah. someone yeah. low income yeah. i'm on full financial aid at harvard 
but like I mean I had friends who like paid $300 a week for the coaching alone right, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. did it for three years in a row like I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. it's a whole unfair system so for bribery to be called out in this like no I was not surprised yeah. I almost, I'm almost su- and the New York Times had a whole thing about they, they had this really crazy article about like you know this is just the wrong way to bribe someone yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying it's yeah. like you could there's other ways you could do it you Did, know? they what? said it was anywhere from like like two hundred thousand to six million. Yeah, it's six insane. million. You could build like a library or something. Yeah, then you it, could just get in by donating just, or something. Just get in the that, that way. Yeah, or whatever. Or, or just don't go to college and use the money to start a business. Yeah. To, to you know, yeah, bribe the president of Colombia. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The, the actual country. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, You know, yeah, you yeah, got yeah. this whole illegal thing going on. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's like it's, to, it's super fucked up. But like, but yeah. you know what's interesting is reading the follow up of what's happening to the students who. Oh who, yeah. Who well, what, yeah, they're not on? getting in trouble though, right? No, some are, right? Because them, it's, yeah. it's considering lying on your admissions. Right? So yeah, lying on your application is an issue, right? So I don't think any decisions have been made. I was listening to NPR yesterday about this, but I think some students are being talked about their admission being revoked, right? Not Whoa, on misbehavior right. because you can't actually, it's not an issue of the honor code because it happened before they were admitted, yeah. but it's an issue of lying on your admissions. Wow. wow. Can you Damn. imagine being kicked out of Wake Forest for that? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I imagine if you get kicked out from Wake Forest, there's like a line of Asian moms just getting there to roast you. <laughs> Boy. Yeah, you are terrible. Wow. Um, yeah, well, I guess we'll just, I don't know, keep tracking so this. I want to open a conversation about like this this cheating thing, right? So like we all were in high school. We saw, I mean, going back to like, oh, you you know, you had friends who wrote their, uh, sorry, yeah. you had friends' parents who wrote their essays for them, right? I remember in third grade specifically, we had like a science project and this Indian kid, everybody else brought their science kid and it looked like a third grader built the fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, I built a volcano, it looked like shit because I was nine third and my, my motor skills were not good. I don't know, you know, I'm motor stupid. Skills. But this one kid brought in like the best badass volcano and I remember the teacher had to have a talk with the parent because it was very evident that his mom made it for oh, him. Oh, I you know? see, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I don't know, like what are your thoughts on like that kind of shit, you know? Uh, anywhere from that to like people cheating on tests. You know, I, I remember when I was in college or in high school, there'd be like somebody who took the class before would be like, how would have, have the test? And you know, I would like look at it and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what are your what are your what are your thoughts on that? Yay, nay, gray area. I think it exists everywhere. I mean, yeah, it was at sure. my high school too. Like, we had multiple exams canceled my junior year because people oh, were really? one pre-writing the answers and uploading them, so they would work on the test before because we all had the test. Yeah. And the issue is that it was math. Everyone did it. Yeah. Right? And yeah, it was yeah, so yeah, normalized. Yeah. But I think another thing that's rising now is like the use of Adderall and how like people oh, yeah. count that as academic Ooh. dishonesty. So that was a big scandal in my high school as well in junior year, right? For like kids dealing Adderall, like yeah, yeah. their own Adderall, you yeah. know? Um, but I think that it, it scales. I mean, I definitely was guilty of cheating throughout high school. Like, I mean, yeah. I got, I had to withdraw from Chinese class for cheating my senior year after I got into Harvard, right? That's so there's a big with W for withdrawal, right? Oh, wow. but, um, but they still, they still let you in Harvard though. Well, my sequel is just like we'll withdraw. Like it's a big oh, W, right? Got it, got it, got it, got it. Um, but I think, and I think, for, like, but I think that for me it was so normalized, yeah. and which is awful. And the stakes weren't very high, especially in middle school. Right, like right, what right, happens right. when you get caught for cheating when you're in like in elementary school? You know, well, you know we had this, a friend Brian Park. He went to a very prestigious school, yes, and he, he just cheated on a science test by by having access to um, a previous version of the test, right? right. And he got kicked out. Yeah, that's that's like I think that's the thing with college is the stakes are much higher. Yeah, you know. High. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Did you? I you, uh, you never even no. once looked at somebody's. I have a tremendous amount of honor. Yeah, I was I was gonna <laughs> say I think you never cheated. I have a tremendous amount of honor in that aspect. Yeah. 
I those are like the two things. I'm kind of okay with like I could see myself killing somebody, but I yeah. would never steal. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> you never you stole. You would never steal. No, I don't like stealing. Well, mm. I went through a big stealing thing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't show the my company. Mom, my mom fuck is you? Are you a rapper? <laughs> are you from the Bronx? I was sent to therapy for it because it was that mentality of like yeah. when you you know when you suddenly don't have money you feel like you yeah. want things and Ooh. so I literally had to go to therapy because I felt like stealing things that I didn't need was like proving to myself that I could take care of myself right oh. so I actually had like a very and I have a very addictive personality so yeah. it was actually really dangerous because I started stealing things and I was very good at it uh-huh. you know? so it was uh, and I think it's I didn't have a lot of remorse for it. Yeah. So it was something Whoa. that I had to learn to have. Like this learning is, like, Whoa. this is not okay. This does hurt something, you know. Well, I'm going to keep my phone near me now. <laughs> so. No, but that's okay. So this is the weird thing is when I was going through that phase, I n- would never steal from anyone. Someone you know. Someone I know. Or, you know, someone, uh, other person. I would oh, never I steal see. someone else's. You steal from like a, like a, a store. store yeah. Like, like a, a nameless a entity. Chain, yeah. like a, that's like how a, it starts. A big capitalist corporation, okay. right? Okay. Every, every criminal has a code though. You know? Everyone does Dexter. kill family. Okay, cool, Nadia. No, but that's the thing. It's crazy, man. I think that's why it's like in our, like, I think it's sort of part of human nature. Like people figure out ways to game the system. Yeah. Right? Like it is part of being competitive. So I think, I think it's something that you learn and condition yourself to know it's not okay. You know what we should do, Nadia? Is we should get some way to combine your kleptomania with period power. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we should be stealing period products. Product. From the products. rich and get from the yes. rich. <laughs> you know, if somebody rolls up, you can roll up right now into the CVS and just be like, these, these, these motherfucking products are mine. You know, fuck your tax. You don't fuck your prices. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Oh, you, uh, I am now on your board. Thank you very much. That was amazing. Uh, And we're back with our guest, Nadia Okamoto. We're going to play a... Uh, we're going to play games now. Hell yeah. And so we've come up with some games. Uh, and uh, uh, inspired by the scandal recently, we've come up with a game called College Application Consultant. So you, Nadia, are a college application consultant here to spin the lack of accomplishments of your clients' children into compelling stories ripe for college admissions officers. So using your skills in branding and the fact that you got into Harvard, spin these terrible stories so for example um you have a client okay i'm imagine i'm i'm, I'm your client right okay i have a daughter she's amazing Her, okay hi yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm in the room so, she's great i think she should totally get into wake forest but she has never had a job can you is there a way to spin that so that's actually a good thing yeah, for sure. Ooh. I mean, this is most of my friends at Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, she probably never had a job because she was doing so much work volunteering for her community Ooh. or taking care of like a dying relative or, you know, dying doing art. I think that there was no time for having a job because she was caring for the people around her. Wow. That's, that's You're almost too good at this. You're too freaking me out. Okay, how about here's another one. Blake is on JV lacrosse, but has never played in a game. Athletics is not a priority of his. He's oh. too into science. <laughs> <laughs> this is scary. I want to go home. Okay, one more. Let's do. Yeah, you're killing this game. One more. Spence got a DUI. The, Spence got a DUI, but learned from it, and now is advocating nationally against <laughs> drinking while driving. Oh, 
All I can and say, he started a non-profit for it too. All I can say, Nadia, is uh, I'm glad you're on our side. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that was awesome that you uh, passed the game with flying colors. The game. That's amazing. Uh, we got. I got this other game. Um, this one's called. Uh, you know, you are a master of nonprofit. You you run one yourself. You have a lot of experience in it. I think you can identify a good business when you hear about one. This one's called. Which nonprofit would you invest in? I've got some business ideas that Mike and I want to pitch to you. Okay. Okay. These are all nonprofits. Okay. This one is a uh, a nonprofit sex sex education organization uh, focusing mainly on anal sex for the Gen Z population. What is this myth that Gen Z loves anal sex? <laughs> we hear it in the rap songs. <laughs> I've literally never heard this. Eat gro- but like grocery? Remember that? You Which gotta, one? Uh, what's the song? Oh, yes. But that's not anal sex. That's foreplay. Oh, okay, for yeah, her, it's not even that's, that's just normal. That's just normal. Yeah. She just, she just, <laughs> it's so normal. That's it's just, just like this foreplay. Just you get play. your coffee, you eat your ass, you go you to work. It's no big deal. <laughs> you fix the printer. You know what what's saying? up? How else are you supposed to say hello to somebody? <laughs> um, okay, so that's one. That's choice number one. Uh, anal, anal sex education organization. Uh, th- another. Uh, this is another organization that provides self defense classes against Asian moms. Um, <laughs> because I got beat up a lot as a kid, and there's a key is you can't hurt her because she's your mama, but you got to dodge her blows. You know, because you're trying to live your life. Yeah, that's a good one. I wrote this one because the other day I had a flashback of um, I was in Japan one summer and my mom was making me do worksheets, Japanese worksheets, yeah, yeah. in Ooh. addition to my uh, like American right, homework, yeah. and I didn't want to do it. And I was being a dick, and I was like, I'm not, I don't, I don't do this anymore. And she grabbed, she grabbed my leg. I was like nine. She just dragged me across my grandma's house, and my head was just banging against the floor. Oh, so I was like, man. had I had this oh organization, had I had this organization, I could. Also, a uh, special ability to defend against uh, att- being attacked by a shoe. Yes, yes, yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. Oh, slipper. Yeah. Is that, that's the slippers are the modern day ninja ninja stars for Asian moms. You know. <laughs> would you Would you invest in this nonprofit? Yeah, so that's pro- so that's choice number that's two. Number okay. two. And number three is a. It's like birthright. <laughs> but we take white people to all the countries their ancestors colonized and make them work off the debt. <laughs> Those are your three choices. <laughs> wow. This is Shark Tank, but for nonprofit. Yeah. Which? What do you think? What I you think, think I would invest in the first one. Oh, the oil. oh see. Uh, yeah. Oh. Because no, maybe. but I think it's because acknowledging that kids are doing it and they yeah. should be safe about it. So the sex education is like, you know how mm-hmm. to be safe and preventative about things mm. but and I think that the second one the issue is that I feel like having self-defense against your mom if that's part of kind of the cultural upbringing might provoke more oh. violence oh I might get too strong and I think the third <laughs> I think the third one already exists through volunteerism oh, oh that's true right? that's right and it's a profitable industry these rich white kids pay money to go work and do make houses in right. countries their ancestors and colonized might as well make money it's a, it's a genius system because because like their answers to destroyed the houses and yeah. then they get to go and build houses yeah. see and it keeps going I already had a marketing yeah. plan for this I was gonna market it like Firefest, you know have hot girls in like poor parts of Thailand <laughs> yeah exactly like, oh, you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. All, they're all like help yeah, me yeah, build yeah. this, help me, this house, house. Ooh, I love don't you think that already exists having yeah, you see something does. like that you know yeah. what I mean like I think yeah. that that non-profit it could be a more strong business for mm. profitable business I love this she's like you're not original <laughs> no, you know, you know what she, she's saying that this shouldn't even be a nonprofit. This should be for profit. for profit. Yeah, yeah. What about that, it? that well, business mentality? Um, so that's great that you're an advocate for um, ass play. That's that's, <laughs> that's, good, that's good fantastic. Let this be name. on the record.
Alright everybody That was episode 56 We hope you enjoyed it Again our guest today Was Nadia Okamoto From the period movement uh, Nadia is there anything You'd like to plug? I would just say You can stay updated with me At, at Nadia Okamoto On social Or at period movement With that work um, And you can find my book Period power Anywhere books are sold Amazon is easiest Hell yeah dude uh. And then you can also Find us on social As she says uh, <laughs> At Asian <laughs> Not Asian pod And you can also find me Fumi Abe At the Fumi Abe That's T-H-E-F-U-M-I-A-B-E you can find me on Instagram at NicePantsBro, and uh, I don't have a book, so there you, go. <laughs> you can find that wherever but books soon. are not sold. You guys should write soon. a book. We, we should write a book. We're going to. We're going Wait, to. Wait, actually, one of my book, one of my book um, projects right now for my next one is about Asian American identity. Wow, yeah. is it about straight Asian guys? Because we're really good at doing that. <laughs> Where is it about yeah, boring ass straight Asian dudes with hoodies on? That's our angle uh, We also want to plug Our Hack City show We have a monthly comedy show That we do here At the Canal Street Market 265 Canal Street uh, Every third Wednesday The next one is March 20th So it's going to be That's Two days week. Oh It's going to be two days It's, it's coming up oh, 8 o'clock You should come. Yeah, come It's really fun I want to come We have a DJ we got a good food. Oh, I must come. Yes. Us, yeah, bring your frat bros with you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be at 8 o'clock. Come at like 7.30 because it gets packed. Um, so there, that's every third Wednesday. Check us out. Our, our ticket link is uh, in the uh, in our bio on uh, in our tree. Instagram. Yeah. You, don't even, you don't even need a ticket. You can just show up. But uh, actually, get a ticket because we're probably going to run out of seats. Anyways, also, please donate to us on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash pod, And you can have access to bonus content. And also leave a review on iTunes. That always helps. Say something funny. And uh, give us five stars. And uh, thank you again to our guest. Yes, Nadia thank you Komoto. so much thank for you. Uh, A for not cutting us and uh, <laughs> for just showing up and be part of the show. We really appreciate Thanks it, man. For I know, me. I'm a very busy lady. So, any last remarks for our guest, Mike? Oh man, I um, I've got so much googling to do. Mm-hmm, That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all I know. Yeah. yeah. All right, everybody. Have Bye. a good day. Bye. Bye. This episode of Asian Not Asian is presented in partnership with Listening Party. Follow the crew on Instagram at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market.